0: from a network of highly secure top secret locations across South Texas. This is a bonus ad hoc edition of the Spurs Insider Podcast, uh, hastily assembled in the aftermath of a uh, significant transaction for your local cagers. Um, DeJounte Murray, the best player on the San Antonio Spurs last year, Probably was going to be the best player on your San Antonio Spurs. Next year is no longer San Antonio Spur. We will get into all of that over the next several minutes, probably. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Mike Finger, joined by the usual panel of Express News beat writers, Jeff McDonald and Tom Orsborne and sports editor, Nick Talbot. And, uh, the listeners can't say they didn't see this coming. We mentioned on the last podcast we did that this, at least the host mentioned that this was probably going to happen um, before next season. If not before the end of the week, it did happen. I guess I'll just open it up with uh, to the floor. What are what are your reactions to this news? Uh, let's start with Jeff.
1: Well, you know, if you, if you, Talk to and hear from Spurs fans yesterday, I, I really heard three very distinct separate reactions, uh, diametrically opposed in, in some ways. Um, the first one is, how on earth could you give up on a 25-year-old uh, all-star still in his prime? Um, isn't that the point of a rebuilding project is to find 25-year-old all-star still in their prime? Um, what are the Spurs fair. doing? Uh, Number two was, um, would be uh, the opposite. Like what a haul for DeJounte Murray, three first round picks. Um, And that's, you know, that's, that's a superstar kind of haul for a guy that wasn't yet a superstar. And the third is why didn't the Spurs do this several years ago when they had to trade Kawhi Leonard and start this rebuilding process earlier? Like what took them so long? And I'm here to tell you all three of those people are right. Like they all have a point.
0: If if you came here looking for um, the hot take, you know, like like you said, praising this for being brilliant or or ripping it for being asinine, it, you're probably not going to get either. Um, I won't speak for Tom and Nick, but um, it's just kind of, and we have mentioned this going back to the Kawhi days. It's just kind of complicated, and in a way, it's sad because Dejounte Murray was a. A huge accomplishment, a, a, a triumph of just about every part of the organization from scouting to development, to coaching, to, I mean, the, the, the players who played with them uh, all took pride in what DeJounte Murray became and to, to, to have it in this way, whether you're a fan, whether you're a member of the organization, um, just somebody who's watching, it's, it's sort of sad to to know that that's how it had to end. But like I said, it's nuanced, it's complicated. Uh, Tom and Nick, you, you guys can weigh into.
2: It's not personal, Sonny, it's business. As right. Michael Polonyi said. Um, no, I think the only criticism is coming from people that are emotionally invested, which Dan should be. Um but, you know, it, they're swinging for the fences. They want they want to get that centerpiece franchise player next year. Um you know, rather than continue to just spin their wheels and and be challenging for a play-in uh, year after year, it, logically it makes sense. Mike Finger, you had a compelling argument today in your column, and um, yeah, I just, I don't. What? I don't, it is about I, time. I, I can't, I can't fault him for this, and and yeah, I like Dejounte, and I he, what a what a great story. I mean, seeing him develop knowing where he came from in Seattle, overcoming the knee injury. um, You know, we, we didn't write about this much until, um, until I talked to him a bit about it at the all-star break, but his, his sister dying tragically um, last off season. And he, he was able to put that, you know, somehow um, put that behind him. I don't want to say behind him, but just, Uh, Compartmentalize it and still become an all star. So there's so much to like about him. Um, He gave us great scouting reports from his from his uh, film study. I I say that in jest, but
0: he watches a lot of basketball. He watches a lot of
2: basketball, and he was always willing to share with us uh, his what he what he picked up from that. But no, it's 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 what sports is. It's what pro sports is, and um, you know it's tough. It sucks. It hurts. But it's the right move.
3: I think in uh, when you generally look, look at the big picture, it's the right move. Um, just saw re- reporting today, Brian Windhurst from ESPN, saying that the uh, Dejounte Murray was unlikely to extend with the Spurs. Um, so a lot of it comes down to contracts. Um, whether that he's right on that or not is, you know, a question. But
0: an important part about that. And, like, I didn't yeah. want to mention other people's reporting. But important part about that is he he mentioned an extension next year. And that never that, – that's correct that, that he didn't want to do that because that would have been a dumb move for, for him. Co- <laughs> bet, Co- he, get, he would he would get more money by signing the new contract two years from now. So, like, Brian, Brian Windhorst is correct that, he, that, that Murray didn't want to sign an extension next offseason, but that's not – that's not breaking news. That's not really important here. I, I, I don't, I don't want to like, I like Wendy. I don't want to dismiss that out of hand. It's just not that. That wasn't a big deal. Like the, 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 the the play always was going to be for him to sign a new deal in two years.
1: To, to clarify what I understood from the, the Wendy reporting was uh, he wasn't saying DeJounte was, was only going to play two more years for the Spurs and then was, was refusing to play beyond that. Right. He was re- correct. Refusing to, I mean, it was a non-starter because right. uh, that's based off your current salary, the extension.
2: Correct. So, that's, Correct. so
1: that, that, what's he made 16 last year, I think you can get 120% of that as opposed it's, it's, to, as opposed to two years from now, a new deal, you can start at 40 million. There's, 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 I mean, that's, that's a, uh, that's a,
0: a uh, eight figure difference. It's really an important distinction to make because uh, again, um, when when I started getting these um, comments from from fans about how uh, oh uh, you know there's reporting that Murray said he wasn't coming back told me wasn't coming back that's that's not actually what Winhorse said he said he wasn't going to extend next year that, that he he did not say that Murray said he wasn't going to play beyond the two years like Jeff said and I, and I think I guess it's it's good that this came up because it's important to make these distinctions and in writing about the salary cap and writing about contracts and just reporting the NBA in general, there's so many instances of this where one thing that begins as accurate gets turned into something. People have reactions to it that aren't quite Mm -hmm. accurate. And um, I I just think, again, this is a complicated story in a lot of ways. And it should be noted that um, as long as we're talking about other know national media sources it's it's perfectly reasonable for smart people to disagree about this trade like to extremes um kevin pelton and zach harper are know a lot about basketball um they are like personnel uh, uh uh analytic type guys for espn and for the athletic and they both had they both wrote uh, grades, which can be kind of silly, but fans love them. Raiders love them. Might as well do them. Uh, they both did grade posts on on this trade yesterday. ESPN Kevin Pelton gave your San Antonio Spurs an A for this deal. And the uh, the, the Atlanta Hawks, of, uh, I don't want to, I hey, think it was either no, a C, C or a D. It was, no, it was a C. It, it was it was, it, it was a clear cut winner for the San Antonio Spurs. Zach Harper of the of the Athletic called it a heist for Atlanta, gave them an A plus and the Spurs a D minus. And neither of these people are idiots. You know, uh, it, it's, and, it's 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 re- reasonable people can disagree, and it has. We, we don't know now who's going to win. We don't know who made the right move, but I think it that just illustrates that both sides had reasonable. Uh, rationales for doing what they did
3: to make you stir star Wars reference from a certain point of view, as Obi-Wan said, uh, both are right. Uh, just be, just because this, there's still a lot of unknowns in this deal. You don't know how the Spurs are going to do going forward. Um, you don't know what pick they're going to get. You don't know what these Hawks picks are going to turn into. It's, one of those five years down the road and the Hawks could be really good or DeJounte and Trey Young could be a, not a very good pairing and it could not work. And Trey Young could ask out. I mean, that happens all the time. Five years from now, we don't know where the Hawks are going to be. They could be really good. And those two picks will be in the 25s or 26s. And then it's not quite as good of a deal because that Charlotte pick has protections on it. The Hawks picks don't have protections on it. So that's if when you're looking at the picks, that's kind of what matters and Um, if you're just looking at picks for that, but the other thing they consider is it's where, how good are the Spurs next year? Right. I mean, as, as you wrote, Mike, it's, it's a lot about Victor Wimbayama, Wimby, um, and can't, and how do you perform and where do you get into the draft? If the Spurs win the draft, if the Spurs win the lottery next year, then this is a slam dunk win because then you have Victor and you know, and then you're way ahead of where you were. And the rebuild starts much faster. A long,
1: a long time ago, Tom Orsborne mentioned that um, Mike Finger actually did his job for once yesterday and wrote a, a, a an elucida- uh, elucidating column, <laughs> uh, kind of breaking down the Spurs reasoning. Why don't you go through that so our, our readers slash listeners slash viewers uh, can sort of get the Spurs point of view on this.
0: I also want to point out just for, for listeners of the podcast, our last two podcasts, the host of this thing, first of all, called out the the first Spurs first, first pick correctly because the only member of the panel to do that. And then the last time was the only member of the panel to strenuously say that DeJounte Moore is going to be traded. So I'm just saying.
2: Boy, I regret now giving him that compliment, man. It's gone straight to himself.
0: The blind squirrel has found a few nuts lately is all
2: I'm saying.
3: <laughs> uh, I, the, uh, uh, while taking credit, I like to say that they took the deal that I said was better. The deal was better to get rid of, to get Gallo and not take Collins. And that's the deal they took.
0: Some reporting on that, the, um, the can, can, can pass along that there were discussions among the Spurs brain trust, which included Greg Popovich, by the way, Greg Popovich did absolutely sign off on this deal and is as far as everyone expects. And I think as far as Greg Popovich expects, he's going to be back and is on board with coaching this young team. Um, he enjoyed the young team last year, um, maybe as much as any season that he's had in a long time. And, uh, I think he's going to be invigorated to to do it again. Um, but there, there were discussions among the Spurs leadership about whether that like the John Collins deal was an option. Um, to, to take a player who has five years left on his deal, a, younger, a player younger than DeJounte Murray, a power forward, a guy who could fit into a rebuilding effort, uh, but who has a, a huge five-year deal on, on the books, that was an option to take him and, and less in terms of picks. Um, the Spurs ultimately decided, rather than that, just take contract filler, which is what Danilo Gallinari is. It's just the contract to make the, the, the deal legal and maximize on those picks. And and another thing that maybe gets lost among casual fans, fans who don't realize that uh, exactly how how pick capital works. Um, like it it's to the Spurs benefit that they push those unprotected unprotected Hawks picks back to 2025 and 2027 and that swap back a couple of years, like that's better than if they would have got the Hawks first round pick next year, because next year they're going to have DeJounte Murray and Trey young playing together. And you figure that pick at least for that, that deal for at least a year is going to make them a playoff team. There's a chance that this doesn't work in the long run. Like many high profile trades for all-stars don't work. And the whole thing could blow up. And this is the same thing with, um, the 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 Celtics had a pick swap with the Nets at at, at one point, and that's they benefited from that. and And it, it isn't hard to envision a scenario where in a couple of years, those unprotected Hawks picks look much better than the than the picks that they could have gotten in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. As well as that pick, as well as that pick swap, like the the Spurs could be in a better situation, victory wise. Is that that's pick swaps twenty twenty six. By then, the Spurs yes. can have a better record than the Hawks, and they that that's swap might be huge.
1: An example of how that works: you mentioned this, the the Celtics Nets from from oh, you know way back in the day. That was the uh, deal that ended with uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett going to Brooklyn, right. and 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 the Celtics just entering rebuilding mode. Everyone thinking, well, not everyone, but the thinking of the Nets thought they were going to be great, uh, but by the time the pick swap came up, they were decidedly not great. Uh, The Celtics ended up with the Nets pick in whatever year that was. It ended up being third overall. The Boston Celtics selected a fellow called Jason Tatum with that pick. And if if that's the reason, I mean, it's not, it's not outlandish to say that pick swap is the, is the main reason the Boston Celtics were in the NBA finals this season.
0: It's not outlandish at all, but to get into the, just the, I guess that's, that's part of uh, the rationale for why this Spurs trade was the right thing to do, Uh, but to, to review what was in the newspaper, um, what I sort of tried to lay out was again, going back to what a big deal DeJounte Murray's improvement was like Tom mentioned, he overcomes an injury, he overcomes all kinds of things to become a legitimate all-star. And even though he was an injury replacement as an all-star last year, I think most people agree that was more than, merited more than deserved that he 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 belonged there just had a huge year um but when you when you looked at what this overwhelming success story was going to do for the spurs you would think that well uh, by the end of this deal which was a his current deal was a bargain by nba standards he might be able to lift him to the sixth or seventh seed right like like if, if he got help if Kelton Johnson came along, if Devin Vassell came along, if some of these rookies slowly progressed. Like, I don't think there's any listener of this podcast, anybody out there, even the most ardent Spurs fans who thought that by 2024, the Spurs were going to be championship contenders with 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 DeJounte Murray as the head of the snake, as, as a term that Greg Popovich likes to use. And that's not crapping on DeJounte Murray. I mean, one of the best, what, what pick was he taking with 29? I mean, yes. he's in the, he's in the top 0.5% of players ever taken with the 29th pick, like huge, huge success story. But you have to kind of step back and think, well, what are we doing? Um, if we're keeping him around for two more years and that's the end game. And then in the, in the summer of 2024, um, you know, the, the Spurs have to offer him $200 million to stay. Um, and in the meantime, you haven't had given yourself a, a chance to uh, maybe luck into Victor Wemby. Uh, and and like the, that draft next year, supposedly the, the evaluators, the, the prospect watchers say it's more than a one-person draft. I think there's a guy named Scoop who's, who's supposed to be a really good number two pick.
1: There's a fella um, called Amen that would be the answer to their prayers. There's a
0: fella called Amen who could be the answer to their prayers. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, you agree? You, you know, know that, that, it, when the Spurs,
0: people talk about how the Spurs have been bottoming out and how miserable it's been. Well, the the pick they just well, they took, <laughs> number, nine, number nine in the draft, that's the highest pick they've taken since Tim Duncan. There there are eight picks worse than that. There are eight possibilities of having a season more miserable than that. And next season, let's be honest, like I, it's not all uh, sunflowers and roses here. Like they, It's going to be hard next year. It's going to be hard for a fan base. It's going to be hard probably at times for Greg Popovich. Uh, it's going to be hard for beat writers to come up with angles during a season in which a team loses maybe 60 games, maybe 65 games, something along those lines. Um, like the, the San Antonio does not know... The type of NBA misery that next season is likely to bring, but there's a plan involved here, and yeah. the plan is that when you take these picks that Atlanta was offering, and I think Dejounte Murray is only the fourth player in NBA history to be traded for three first rounders, like it's uh, it's James Harden and it's Anthony Davis and Paul George, maybe like that's a that's a rare.
3: Huge haul. Finger that's right and also incorrect. <laughs> um, yeah, Current NBA players, uh, this is where you can start criticizing in draft capital and what draft capital means a little bit. Um, the other player on that list that you missed is Usami Dang, who, is tra- who, okay. the, who the Oklahoma City Thunder just gave up three picks to trade for. They weren't very good first-round picks, but they were because of the protections on them, but they had – but they give it three picks to move up to number 11 and take Uslami dang. So sometimes those draft capitals don't meet as much if you have way too many of them, because you got to use them eventually. Well, the
0: point is that the, the picks better coincide with your, your Spurs window. And if you're going to, uh, if you're going to build around something and if Dejounte Murray was if DeJounte went Murray's window, which was the next two years, wasn't going to get you into the championship, then it makes sense to kind of push it down the road. And I don't know. Again, there reasonable people can disagree, but it there was there was a reason to all this. There's a reason why they went with picks instead of John Collins. And uh, that is what your Spurs were thinking. Just, just to make Spurs fans, just to to kind of chill them out a little bit,
1: to give them a little little solace. What I hear you saying is just they just need to trust the process.
0: Yeah, that's not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: just you know, you 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 feel bad about the loss. It hurts again, you know. But your team is going for broke. They're swinging for the fences. Pick the cliche you want and be grateful for that. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to win another championship, trying to get a centerpiece player along the lines of a Duncan and Robinson. Um, not not going to be that good, you know, but the thinking is there. Get another marquee player, you know, try to win a championship. You're not playing for, you know, play in spot mediocrity. You're going for broke. And I, as a fan, I would think that would be exciting.
1: One way to frame it is there's a difference between the NBA between a star player and a superstar player, uh, an All-Star even, and an All-NBA player. Um, and if you throw, if you throw max money at the first group, um, that's a good way to kill any kind of rebuilding. You, like, wrongly throw uh, max money at the first group. That's a way to kill a rebuilding project. Like you give that money to your All-NBA guys, your superstars your franchise player. And there's really no other way to slice it in that the Spurs did not evaluate DeJounte Murray as quite being that. Otherwise they, they would have kept him. So uh, a lot of the Spurs players that can't figure out this morning, why the Spurs would trade a budding superstar at 25 years old. It's because the Spurs didn't evaluate them, evaluate him quite the same way that those fans did. And, and there's, I don't really even mean that as a slight of DeJounte. It's just uh, that, that, Based on based on the the actions of the Spurs, that's that's the only conclusion you can
0: draw. And I don't even think that the I think you're absolutely right. And I don't even think if fans are honest with themselves that they at any point during the past year or two when DeJounte was was making this meteoric rise did any Spurs fans think of DeJounte Murray as being that type of superstar player? Like no, no one thought that this was a Kawhi Leonard situation, where as long as you have this guy on your team, you're competing for championships. Right. Like, and and that's not an insult to DeJounte Murray, by the way, like he's just, the the, the Kawhi Leonard's are rare. There's only like 10, 10, of those guys in the world. Right. And so even though this is a big deal, uh, In San Antonio and because of when it happened, you know, right before free agency starts, it's a big deal around the league. This is not a Kawhi Leonard story. Um, This is not. and, And by the way, that's sort of an argument that the Spurs did well here, because I think that. When was that four years ago when the Spurs were forced to sell Kawhi Leonard? Like they probably would have taken this deal for Kawhi Leonard back then. Uh even, even though that was a point when you still had Lamarcus Aldridge, you still had some veterans that that made the Spurs feel like they needed to keep sort of being competitive. Three first rounders in a and a draft spot would have been or a draft swap would have been hard to turn down for Kawhi Leonard three years ago. And the Spurs got that package for a lesser player. And and again, that's that sounds like a a, a jab at DeJounte Murray. Um it's just most most players in the league are lesser players compared to Kawhi Leonard. So um yeah, I I think Jeff Sonda's something there. Um if if the Spurs believed that Murray was that type of just rare once-a-generation type of player, this probably wouldn't have happened this week, but it did happen. And I guess we can now we don't want to be here uh, all all day in this ad hoc uh, bonus episode of the Spurs Insider, but we can look a little bit at details of what this means for the current team. And I think, uh, we could start with Murray's position and this might be an opportunity for young Josh Primo to kind of who, who I'm not sure we, we considered a pure point guard when, when he played his rookie year, but I think he's going to get the opportunity to show he can do that. Uh, he might play multiple positions, but he's going to get a chance to run the show and that could be fun. It could be ugly uh, at times, but should be entertaining.
1: Yeah. And the NBA has become, um, I mean, we've talked about this so much where positions are almost meaningless and the way a lot of teams run their offense and when the Spurs have kind of run their offense. I mean, if you think about it, the ball is in a lot of people's, whoever you, it doesn't really matter who you designate. as the point guard all the time. The ball ends up in a lot of people's hands running a lot of pick and roll kind of, options on on you know multiple times on the same possession so i think the spurs what the spurs have done you know drafting all those wings all those years is to have multiple people who can handle the ball at one time so i you know i think i'm not saying they're set there but i think that's something you'll see i i do think if it's me probably what i what i do in free agency is is try to go out and get like a cheap veteran point guard not to be your starter just to have on the roster, just sort of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always big on you. Even if you want to go full on youth movement, you've got to have some old people on the roster that have been in the NBA and know what it takes. So if Mm -hmm. I, if I'm Brian, Wright, that might be one of my focuses on, on, um, in free agency, not, um, you know, not going out and signing a star point guard, but just a steady kind of backup veteran guy. I mean, how great would it be to have a Tyus Tyus, uh, Jones Jones and Trey Jones on the same team. That'd be kind of fun.
0: I know you were joking earlier about the trust the process line, but from from what I'm, from what I'm told, from what I gather, even though the Spurs will listen, that the intention is not to just tear everything down to the, to the bottom, because that would, with, with the group they already have in place, that would make no sense because so many of their players that are productive and that are already in place are, are guys who figure to be, part of the, the next generation. I mean, you're Kelvin Johnson, Devin Vassell, Josh Primo, uh, the picks they just made, all those guys, you're not going to dump those guys off. Those guys have value. So um, you're no, you're not going to, you're not going to go to the bottom of the barrel. And I'm not sure that it's a slam dunk guarantee that Yaka Perl is traded, even though I think that's a possibility um, that when, when, when the Sixers did the process, and just made their team as as bad as it could possibly be for an extended amount of time. Uh that was that was ugly and I don't think it's going to get quite that ugly uh for the Spurs just because the goal here is to not make this last beyond the next year or two and I think that there's already like the players that I mentioned are already in place that should give you something to be excited about. Um, they're going to win some games when Keldon Johnson has a big game, when Devin Vassell has a big game, when Josh Primo has a big game. Like, those guys have talent. Um, but, uh, sure, it, if, if the question is, is Jakob Pertle going to be back, I'm not sure about that. Um, he, he, he could be had for picks. And, by the way, the Spurs have all the salary cap room. A lot of that can be used not necessarily to go out and get DeAndre Ayton or Zach Levine or whoever the big free agent is. You can get more picks by taking other teams' bad contracts, and I wouldn't be surprised right. to see that happen this year. I
1: don't expect to see them blow all that cap space on free agents this this summer, but I do think there is a path to where um, next summer is going to be a better, better class. If you still have that sort of um, space, you can go out and sign three starter-level players, maybe not superstars next summer, because uh, I don't think the Spurs um, rebuilding – Project is that their plan is built on signing superstars and free agents. That would free agency. That would be a fool's errand. So I think you can go get maybe three starter level players. uh, Split that money between those next summer. Um, You've got your young core in place, like we've we've talked about the three draft picks they've already made this year. You've got two more next year, and I think that's kind of where you're going to see sort of the foundation of whatever the next Spurs team is going to become between those those that group of group of people um to answer your question from a minute ago who plays point guard you did mention josh primo and i don't know if they he ends up being the starting point guard or how you want to designate those things but this is going to be a big summer for him like it was already going to be a big summer for him when we talked to him yesterday at uh summer league practice we were talking about what a, what a big summer it's going to be in his second year and that was before the trade came down um you know we had left the building when that had happened um so now that now that DeJounte is gone this is a huge summer for Josh Primo and you want to see some big big strides from him so that that would be my uh sort of uh, uh teaser for following summer league and summer league coverage is Josh Primo's job just became much more important than maybe it would have been and it was already going to be pretty important and before
0: we go Jeff uh uh you did have you were the first to report the answer to the question that we had in the last podcast. Uh, This seems like ages ago, but it was before the DeJounte Murray trade happened. You had uh, confirmed that the Spurs did extend the qualifying offer to Lonnie Walker to make him a restricted free agent like everything else in the NBA when it comes to offseason coverage. That requires explanations. And why don't you, for the listeners, uh, go into the nuances, the details of what that means for him or the Spurs and for that relationship
1: yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that Lonnie Walker is coming back to the Spurs. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're they're super pumped about, uh, you know, uh, super optimistic about getting him back. It's more like that $6.3 million qualifying offer. The way I always think about it is it's, it's kind of like an ante, except it's an ante you can get back. But it's kind of the price of admission to make him restricted. And what Lonnie Walker can do is he can say, okay, I'll take that. That uh, one year, $6.3 million um, qualifying offer, I'll accept that. And then I become an unrestricted free agent next year. I'm told uh, pretty adamantly that is not going to happen. Lonnie has no, uh, at this point, has no intention of accepting the qualifying offer. So all it does is it allows the Spurs to match any outside offers he might get once free agency opens at, at five o'clock Thursday afternoon. Um also, it can be rescinded at any time, that offer. Like if the Spurs decide they need they they don't want to tie up that that cap space uh, and they need it to sign someone else, they can just rescind it and let Lonnie be unrestricted immediately. Um, basically, it would have meant more if they didn't extend it, the qualifying offer yesterday, because Lonnie Walker would have been an unrestricted free agent immediately. And I would tell you they just have zero, it would have told me at least, the Spurs had zero interest in bringing him back at almost any price. Um, the fact that they gave it to him kind of keeps keeps the skin in the game a little bit. It also keeps him a little bit under the Spurs' control. It's easier. It just gives them options. Like like everything the Spurs do, and and most uh, smart front offices do, it's about options. It, it, the Spurs still have a little bit of control over his situation. If they need him for some hypothetical sign and trade, um, he's there for that. It's probably the same reason, just to you know. Uh, they'll probably hold on like i think i read today that gallinari's uh uh, guarantee date is going to be july 8th like they'll probably hold on to him all the way to july 8th in case they need to use that contract for some reason to trade um so i wouldn't read a lot into the spurs offering lonnie that qualifying offer i think what we said on the last pod is probably still accurate he's more likely to play somewhere else next year than play for the spurs but the, the door
0: isn't closed all the way yet and you're, and you're probably not going to see Danilo wearing a Spurs jersey either. I don't think we're looking at that, no. I, um,
1: again, it was just contract filler. And, and again, I'm, I'm, it's kind of everything's happening in real time. But I think I just read that uh, Danilo and his people have agreed to push. His, his contract is what, 26 million Gallinari's? 21, maybe.
0: 21. But, but, and, but the, guarantee a, got, the, the guarantee got, the guarantee needed to be 11 to make right. the trade legal.
1: So if you waive him now by July 8th, you only have to pay him 11. If he's still on the roster, if you're still on the roster, if he's still on the roster after July 8th, you have to pay him the whole thing. Um, So I would expect if the Spurs can't move him from, don't need him, can't move him, don't want to flip him, can't flip him. uh, In the opening days of free agency, um, you'll see him just waived uh, by that July 8th date.
0: Well, uh, July got, Probably less interesting for the Spurs because I can't see them being huge players in the free agent market uh, coming up. The the next season got uh, maybe less compelling when it comes to uh, winning games, maybe more compelling when it comes to just watching young guys play. And maybe that's the way you look at it. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to prepare for that in the coming weeks and months. And in the meantime, all I would do is ask you to take care of each other and keep it real. We'll see ya.